0: Trials of Apollo, The Hidden Oracle, Chapter 25. I'm on a roll now, boiling, burning, throwing up. Lions? hey, why not? I stumble through the glade shouting Meg's name.
1: Hi, I'm Ava. I'm Neve.
0: And I'm Brayden.
1: And this is Return to Camp Half-Blood, the English class that you always wanted.
0: Where we analyze the Percy Jackson and Heroes of Olympus books through a new theme every week. How you doing? (laughs)
1: Why'd you just become from Long Island?
0: I don't know, because I realized I didn't have the Ava. Ava to follow Ava, up with, yeah. To, to, to get, get on top of that, Ava is in Ireland right now. I know we've all been going to Ireland lately. Um,
1: I think I we all have gone to Ireland recently.
0: Which is not true, because I haven't and won't be going to Ireland in the foreseeable future. But even <laughs> Ava, by chance, happens to be going to Ireland back to back. So we try, tried to get as many... Uh, episodes ahead of time as we could, but uh, basically two back to back months of of hosts in Ireland. We were gonna miss <laughs> someone host. at some point. Um, host
1: in Ireland,
0: yes. But Ava will be back next week. We we have a, a very special guest host uh, in the meantime. Uh, but before then, uh, Neve, how are you?
1: I'm good. I mean, I'm working all the time. <laughs> So, like, they as good as yeah, can be same. when you're at work all the time. Um, yeah, I have a second job. So exciting. <laughs> Me and Brayden accidentally, without consulting each other at all, got the exact same second job. Working at a smoothie place that also has coffee. Just mine's in, you know, Jersey and his is in Massachusetts. So, that's hilarious. <laughs> I was talking about it the other TV. day and he was like, you won't believe me. But I actually also got a second job working at a smoothie place, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, but it's going well. And uh, yeah, good. How are you?
0: I'm good. I'm also mostly just working at uh, a terrible job at a movie theater chain. We shall remain nameless uh, while I work there. Who's uh, going
1: to sue us? yeah
0: one of it's not like it's hard to narrow down the like two major (laughs) theater chains in america um but uh it's kind of awful but it's just for the summer uh as neve and i save up money to uh move to philly which we're looking at apartments this this week so i'm actually very much looking forward to that is going down to see neve in jersey and then going to philly touring apartments uh and not have to be at work for two days
1: i was setting up the room right before this podcast started because my room is a mess and i needed to fix it (laughs) before you got here and i'm working
0: a double tomorrow so i don't really have time so yeah that's real i am also working working basically all the way up yeah until my I double is just your me. like shift
1: <laughs> which yeah. is so crazy like i'm there for 12 hours tomorrow but that's like two shifts
0: so I'm it's sorry. yeah my, my my shifts aren't fully 12 hours but they're like 10 which is too long sometimes mm-hmm. my my first day was like 14 hours but that was like training and then a shift like uh, the worst longest orientation ever punishment it's awful i smell like popcorn and candy and liquor all the time
1: i mean that doesn't sound terrible like there are worse things to smell like i guess i get what you you would think it would get annoying
0: (laughs) it's like but like it's not like fresh popcorn smell it's like grease and butter and like that kind of yeah and like i'm like sticky from soda it's like It's pretty much the worst job I could possibly have, but they're giving me like 40 hours a week, which is what I'm looking for. And, uh, you know, we're getting through survival jobs until I work a big boy job that I have in the fall.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, With that, uh, I'd like to bring in our guest. Uh, For this week, Darian from the Muses of Mythology podcast, as well as multiple other podcast projects, (laughs) I will let you introduce yourself. So, do you want to just share a little bit about yourself to our audience?
3: Yes. Hello, I am Darian. This is the sound of my voice. Uh, As Braden said, I am from I am from Muses of Mythology, as well as others. We'll see if I have find an excuse to bring those ones up. But the biggest credential that does. The biggest credential that means I get to be here is it's a Percy Jackson podcast. Yes. Mhm. I hosted it with my brother DJ who probably insisted you called him Davis when he was here over a year ago. Uh back when I think we were still podcasting Poseidon. So
0: Yes, yeah, it was before you guys changed your name. Mm-hmm. I think it was I think it was around Son of Neptune. So that was yes. like <laughs> that was a long time ago. That was like yeah. last winter.
3: Yeah, um, yeah. Uh uh, it was yeah, we were halfway through Titan's Curse and they were recording one day, dude, just like, hey, what if we called ourselves and used the mythology? And I was so mad because it's such a better name than podcast beside it. And he was absolutely right. I was like, what are we going to do? Like swap in the middle of the season? He's like, no, we'll just wait till the next book. And he was right. So, but yes, long time Percy Va- Jackson fan. I once binge read the entirety of Battle of the Labyrinth hiding in my grandmother's bathroom because it was technically my brother's book and I wasn't allowed to read it until he was done. But he was busy playing video games. Not DJ, a
1: different brother.
0: That is actually really iconic of you. <laughs> <It is.
1: laughs> Thank you. I'm obsessed with that.
0: Well, welcome back to Return to Camp Half-Blood. This week we will be discussing the hidden oracle uh through the theme of relationships, chapters twenty-five through twenty-eight. I said that backwards from what I normally do, but we'll keep you it. You know in, what? We're but- shaking
1: it up. We're being, we're being quirky Ava's not
0: here we can do anything
1: <laughs> like Ava was like the rulemaking person yeah, I was gonna say
0: like Ava, Ava's that the one that doesn't sound
1: accurate Ava like picked Mambo Italiano as a song and fell asleep once <laughs> like I don't think I she was the person who's like holding it together Ava, here oh no it, I
0: don't even know if we left that in but I will never forget when Ava fell asleep on this I podcast.
1: don't think we left uh-huh. it in the episode but we did post on Instagram <laughs> yes hey, so sleepy
0: <laughs> there's like with all of our schedules sometimes we're recording at like one in the morning mm, and mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. it's gonna happen we're yeah. busy i'm surprised we
2: were frankly
0: it only happened once and that's Absolutely. what's impressive
3: oh well done well done y'all have been doing this for a while
0: we have it's been like almost like going on our fourth year or something yeah, like we started
1: that. in like march of 2020
0: yeah we so at least. yeah we, mm-hmm. we've completed three years
1: congratulations thank you Yeah,
0: that's we three should three do years. more for like the la- we should also get to the episode but like
1: which we, we when we were coming up on our 100th episode Brandon's was like you guys want to do anything i was like i don't know what would we like do so we just let it pass just without a word <laughs> we we're like well yeah this is the hundredth
0: yeah, and we're, we're like
1: just we're, we normally do.
0: We'll yeah. do something for two hundred. We're closer to two hundred than we are to one hundred now. We passed one hundred fifty.
1: <laughs> right, so. another one that we were just like, all just right, sailed by. Here We go.
0: That one hundred fifty came up like during right before graduation. We were oh. wrapping up. Here was of Olympus. Yeah, I was like there's mm-hmm. so much else going on. We don't have time. I don't have time <laughs> to think of a concept mm-hmm. for what we're gonna do. But yeah, that's fair. Yeah, we'll do something for two hundred. <laughs> we'll do it it's
1: exciting
0: hold us us accountable audience (laughs) literally all right with that let's jump into the episode with our traditional torture uh of our guests which Mm -hmm. is exciting because we haven't had a guest on in a while because our lives have been crazy so Mm -hmm. it's always exciting to throw someone in the deep and three two one go
3: Okay, so basically, Apollo's trying to get to Meg's. Things aren't working out. He's badly injured. Hey, it's Grandmother Rhea. She's here. She's super hippie now, and she's telling him, you got to get to the Grove of Dodona. You got to control prophecy. You got to get to it, man. Let's go. He wakes up back at Camp Halfblood. Will and Nico there. Will's healed him the best he can, but Apollo's got to go back and save Meg's. He makes it back to the ant hill. He makes it through singing those a song of heartbreak and grief and shame and regret. He manages to rescue Meg. She's trying to tell us something. He doesn't know what it is. They get past the great mama ant and they're on their way to the grove. Also, Pete showed up briefly.
0: Word. You have like 10 seconds left.
3: Oh, um, <laughs> There was also, uh, no, I don't have anything else. That's fine. I'll, I'll bank the time for my next visit
0: word <laughs> yeah for sure all right well i i owe you 10 seconds
3: <laughs> you'll come on entering storybook and we'll take 10 seconds away from you doing the recap
0: there you go, there you go.
1: <laughs> that's incredible
0: i haven't uh i haven't watched one spawn time in a while but I, okay. I i really did follow it uh religiously back in the day
1: <laughs> oh many
3: of us did and we why
0: exactly um it is time for our playlist. Uh, I will go first because I'm excited about my choice. Um, Mostly because I haven't found a way to sneak a Bastille song in here in a minute. And I'm not even a huge Bastille fan, but these books in actually I I, I really like Bastille.
1: Yeah. I was like, (laughs) these,
0: (laughs) these books really just all the like Percy Jackson, Jason books scream Bastille to me. Because just like that was the era of music in which I read these books. Mm, mm-hmm. um, but Daniel in the Den is my choice because it feels like that is the soulful song that Apollo is singing about his lost loves and his regret and shame and like making up to Daphne and Hyacinthus, which was crazy like deep in a way that i was not expecting at all um but i was like i wanted to
2: choose what i think thought that song was and that was my choice love so i'll go
1: i'll go next mine is uh your needs my needs uh off of the extended version of noah khan's stick season album um it's guys it's a devastating listen like pretty much every song on the extended cut of this LP is just absolutely like destructive but like it's genius it's so good all of the lyrics are so beautiful and i think this song is like there was one line in particular once i oh i'm naming the stars in the sky after you It was a work of art. It was the hardest part. Like, just Mm. perfect. I mean, it is talking about, like, a human relationship, obviously. But it was just so, like, what Apollo's going through in these chapters. Um, And it's also just a banger. It's really good. Um, I've been listening to that album, like, on repeat a lot. So I would highly recommend that. Um, And Dial Drunk. And also, if you're from a... The song You're Gonna Go Far is absolutely so sad. I, like, can't listen to it that much. But it's, like, great listen to it <laughs> but like i can't often because it makes mm-hmm. me so sad but it's great um
3: I, yeah i would like to bring to the table yesterday by the beatles
2: a classic
3: mm-hmm. just it's 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 just sad and melancholy and so regretful but i think for the apollo specifically it's like why i picked it for apollo is like this wake-up call of realizing how frivolous He'd been before in the past when he got to live this easy life and realizing that now he has to deal with some heavier things like the lyric, yesterday, love was such an easy game to play. Now I need a place to hide away.
1: I love that. Mm -hmm.
0: I love it. I I mean, I love that song. Yeah,
1: it's it's the Beatles.
0: (laughs) I mean, who doesn't love the Beatles, which is, yeah, Mm -hmm. real cliche to say, but incredible i'm loving the way that this playlist is shaping up for this book it's like it mm -hmm.
1: makes so much sense
0: it's just so much more cohesive besides mambo italiano than (laughs) than we (laughs) know this
1: season i'm never sure
0: we we've we've had some books that are like crazy unhinged
1: like the one that i put waking up in vegas on twice
0: I, i i'm a gummy bears on one of them like
3: I'm really glad I changed my mind from bringing Sanctuary by Yutara Hikaru from the Kingdom Hearts soundtrack.
0: <laughs>
3: it sounds like you're doing this. This season's been really smooth. I'm, I'm glad. I was like, oh, you know what? Yesterday by the Beatles, I should probably be serious here. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's 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 becoming a very like folky uh, uh, playlist and and I'm really it's
2: feeling very Apollo vibes. And Nice. I'm here for yeah. it. What were our favorite moments from these chapters? Oh,
1: i just love how this book is written i mean we've said it before mm-hmm. but there's just su- it's just written in such a like a roller coaster way of like it gets so heavy so fast but it never feels like wow that was like out of place mm-hmm. and the themes discussed in it are just so much i don't want to be like more interesting <laughs> Than, like, the Heroes of Olympus themes. Because, like, the Heroes of Olympus also had really interesting, like, moments in it. But just this character, like, narrating everything just makes it so interesting. And also brings back a lot of the, like, the original, like, mythology that is only ever really alluded to through, like, side characters. And now it's, like, the main focus of the story. Because it, like, actually happened to Apollo, you know? Ooh, yeah. 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 I really like the Trials of Apollo series.
3: I'm of the opinion that this is Rick Riordan's best written book. It is not necessarily my favorite series, but I think it is his most like he's been writing these for over 15 years now. He has like a writer has developed his skill to the point where you can tell just his his grasp of the way he tells these stories and the the themes that he knows that he gets to delve into now. Because he knows his audience and he understands more of like what these middle grade readers are looking for and will resonate with and are capable of handling is very different than in in the lightning thief, and I just love seeing that, and just the the section with Raya was really cool, and then him singing that like song of like heartbreak and regret just hit so hard,
0: oh yeah, I think. I mean, we're obviously reading these books for the first time, but from what I've read so far, especially this book really feels like it's starting to be a synthesis of what Rick is good at because mm-hmm. we have all that that humor and that really keying into the mind of a younger person that is really resonating in the Percy Jackson and the Olympian series. Mm-hmm. And then the grand lot of Heroes of Olympus that frankly Rick kind of crumbles under um, because Rick is a character-based writer um, Mm -hmm. and that's where he succeeds and this is clearly like oh he's learned his lessons from these books the Kane Chronicles books all the little short stories in between and it's really feeling like oh I know what my style is because he's had a distinctive style this whole time, but now it feels like he knows what his style is. And he knows what yeah. he, he's good at and knows what he's learned from the Heroes of Olympus and has really grown from that. And I I loved the Rhea scene. I was Ugh. like, this is iconic. Uh, Rhea is, she is mother. She is <laughs> everything to me. I actually like I have a new standum uh now that Hera is gone. Um Hera problematic fave. <laughs> like like I know. Like I'm sorry. Like I know she's terrible, but like that's my sister.
2: Um <laughs> I love her. Um but Rhea baby I love no. her.
4: <laughs>
0: something about her like her anti-capitalist and same mm-hmm. like but just so casually mm-hmm. in a way that apollo she is, also like, has really, a
1: lion how fun
0: and she has a that's what really sold me
1: mm-hmm. yeah
0: i was it's the fact that she's like this hippie this like down with the man but also she has a lion that means she will eat you
3: <laughs> yes like it is not all talk she is ready to throw
0: hands Exactly. And that, like, I'm done with this bullshit. I am stepping back. If I really feel like I need to intervene, I will. But for the most part, leave me the fuck alone.
3: Mm -hmm. Like, I do not need to be a part of that patriarchal oppressive system again. I already was and I'm done. I had to sit for a minute and, like, figure out whether I really liked the portrayal of Raya. Not, like, the hippie, anti-capitalist, anti-establishment. I love that. Mm -hmm. But the fact that she's a little uh, disconnected, Mm -hmm. that she keeps, like, crossing, like, when things happen and who was there. Was it Woodstock or was it the first, like, women's convention and who set that guitar on fire? And you mean Jimi Hendrix wasn't there? I had to think about it being like, "Ah, "Is am I comfortable with this, like kind of zany out-of-touch character also like echoing these like hippie anti-establishment like like catchphrases essentially like and I decided I it I decided it worked if it was intentional and I think it was and not just as a goofy thing but as a Raya is literally out of touch with everything because she doesn't have to be in touch with anything she is not Actively maintaining or or doing anything like like the gods are doing. She's not ocean or fates or anything else. She's just getting to exist, and I think we get to see this is what it would look like for a mortal who just gets to exist freely and isn't like bound to like this world of like gods and heroes and quests. She's having a great life, and I'm so happy for Rhea. Honestly, after what
1: she went through, good exactly. for her. I was literally about to say like such a like a she like they like gloss over it for the sake of like I think like a joke Mm -hmm. her little scene to of like how like awful her her backstory is and like (laughs) so so tragic and upsetting so I was kind of like I kind of love that she's just like vibing on her own now and like has picked up this sort of way of living Mm -hmm. um and i've always i've said in past episodes like i hope this upcoming percy jackson book is just like boring as hell i hope he's just going to college like i wish peace for all of these characters <laughs> i wish just like nothing happening to them for the entire book for all of these characters unfortunately that will not happen but mm-hmm. <laughs> it's what i hope for
0: them no, no yeah I love, really it. I love that i love that raya felt fa- like found her inner peace mm-hmm. like that's just the vibe and i agree i also sat with it for a minute and was like is this like too much playing this off as a joke? Mm-hmm. Because it does play it off as a joke. But I I, I kind of reached the same place as you were, as like, but like she kind of earned it and it kind of works mm-hmm. because frankly, if Ray is not an out of touch hippie like this, why wasn't she here this whole yes. time?
3: Yes. Mm hmm. Mm hmm.
0: Yeah. so I thought it was actually really smart writing on that part.
3: Mm hmm. I also liked how this is, I think, one of the first instances of something that Rick will do a lot in a series, no spoilers, but of retconning certain things that were established specifically in the Percy Jackson books that have not aged well now as overarching concepts. For example, the idea of like, Western civilization being so grand and unfallible and needs to be protected. And in this section, you have Rhea being like, yeah, Western civilization, which is like really imperialist Eurocentric propaganda, by the way. Like, this is not a real thing.
0: It was a great way of keying into that without laying in too far to something that that uh, mid-grade readers would be like okay i actually don't understand mm-hmm. like this theory and i would love to read a book where someone analyzes uh the use of western civilization and greekness and centering that in these books and what does that mean for like anti-colonialist
4: mm-hmm. shit
0: I love that. I we've talked about that on this podcast so clearly. I love that, and I would read an entire book written about mm-hmm. that. But that is not the audience of these books, so I thought it was a very smart way to just like dip into it, and mm-hmm. also that with the the emperors and starting mm-hmm. to get into this like we've had this whole time that being remembered and legacy is what makes you a god, and then so like these emperors making themselves gods feels like such a logical step and Mm -hmm. whether it even is a logical step but rick makes it a logical step with this writing and this very little bit of exposition and i was like this is so smart and it does retcon a little bit of how how it works Mm -hmm. and i just i just really enjoyed it I, i thought it was very clever
3: yeah, it's charming. Owen from Through the Mist podcast did a really good episode explaining a little bit on that concept of like, how do these emperors make themselves immortal within the like world building rules established in Rick Riordan's work? So I will always plug Owen's work because he does a great job. But that one helped me a lot when I was trying to be like, how? no, I still don't get it. No, I don't. Yeah. No, I don't get the rules here.
2: So
0: yeah, solid oh. episode. Owen oh, does does great investigative work in explaining mm-hmm. some of these world building mysteries. Mm-hmm. And also, if you're interested in uh, people becoming gods because of the way they're remembered, read American Gods. By New oh,
3: Game. oh my God, I love American Gods.
0: <laughs> I also love American Gods. It's
1: it's,
3: so it,
0: fun. it's a read. It's such like, a read. Neil Gaiman is you gotta work. He, uh, but but he's so smart, too smart yeah. for anyone to really read his work well.
3: Mm, but. Yeah, he gets a little Neil Gaiman in some areas, especially with uh, that uh, chapter with Bast. And I'm like, why are we doing this, Neil? Yeah. Neil, yeah. Uh, I really liked the first season of the stars adaptation. I thought that was so strong, and then I they lost too. their showrunner and everybody. And I was like, I'm out.
2: Yeah. I
0: don't need to suffer. I sometimes rewatch that scene with Kristen Chenoweth.
3: Mm, uh, mm-hmm
0: as Osara and just like becoming a wild Easter God. It's incredible. Watch the first season of that show and then tap mm -hmm. out.
3: Yeah. I loved the change (laughs) they made with the ancient, like Babylonian fertility goddess and like the new gods hooking up with her and be like, Hey, we got you a dating app because we need a goddess. So let's come roll with us. I thought that was such a good change from what happens to to that character in the book. And I'm like bummed out that I don't get more of it, but, but we're talking about this book
0: yes yes we are and uh actually let's take a break because i think we're headed toward our theme so let's
2: take a break and then we'll be back to talk about the theme of relationships and we're back so relationships where do we
0: want to head first there are a lot of different relationships (laughs) present in in, in chapters um
1: a couple at least Mm -hmm.
0: a few I mean, I think the first place I want to go is the Daphne stuff. Because I think Rick really was jumping through a lot of hoops. Had to Mm -hmm. do a lot of heavy lifting to get over the fact that this original myth is super creepy and Mm -hmm. non-consensual.
2: And uh, yeah, Apollo, I like all the gods. A bit of a sex offender. Mm
4: -hmm.
0: Not to say the least. Uh, but especially this Daphne myth about him being pursuing her and her saying no, and then being turned into a tree to be saved. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's quite terrible as originally written, and it's not great here either, but I think Rick does the work to be like, okay this was bad and acknowledge that it was bad, Mm -hmm. but still let him write a book about Apollo.
3: Yes. Yeah. We don't veer into Medusa territory where he just literally waves away anything. It's like, no, 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 it was fine. They were boyfriend, girlfriend. Athena was just jelly. Like, no, I think, yeah, It, it is. It does have to walk back the, yeah, this was assault in the original myth. But like you said, like, you can't... In the kind of book that Rick Wright is writing, Apollo can't be the protagonist if that's something he did in the past.
2: Yeah, I th- and I think the details about... It also weirdly does a lot of work to fix Cupid.
1: Yeah, literally. Like, I was like, why is he getting a redemption? It's so strange.
0: Because, because like, objectively, arrows and Cupid... Is just like the god of roofies, and that's mm-hmm. terrible. The god like,
2: of roofies. I mean, that yeah. literally
0: he shoots arrows that make you fall in love with someone.
2: It's real, real sus. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like that Rick is like, so hold up. He
0: doesn't make you do anything, he just like enhances your feelings. I'm like, this is not great either, but. You were you were just taking something that was already there, and I guess guess you just made it a little better. Not perfect, but and then they like lead arrows, which has been done other times before, but Mm -hmm. really cementing that as like, okay, there was someone else manipulating this. It wasn't completely Apollo being a nasty. Little
3: man, yeah. But I also like how like Rick goes through the hoops to make it so Apollo is a a nasty little man. But also in this section, Apollo it's not to continue to just put the blame on arrows. Like Apollo is being like, I caused this to happen. Like I was a dick to arrows, and so he punished me. And Daphne's the one that got hurt. And I think this this series of the relationships of Apollo reflection on them on Daphne and Hyacinth and then Meg all the way to the song, I love it so much. I was so delighted when I realized that that's the part that I got to be here for because I think this is the moment where like the reader really gets to see that Apollo has the potential and the capacity to change, not just be like better, but become like a person, and not quite this unsufferable brat that we are saddled with from the get-go who just expects (laughs) percy jackson to solve his problem and and is such a coward and is just so selfish like this thing of him accepting responsibility and realizing that that what he does that his actions will have an impact on other people and it is people he loves who will suffer and he has to take responsibility i like that and i think this to the end is so well done because it's good. And again, I won't, you haven't read all, but I just wanted to like that resonates so strong with me because I think Rick does a good job in this overall, all, the, the whole series in writing that story for Apollo in a way that is so believable. Because our boy backslides a whole lot, but you always like this section here is like, yeah, but I know you can do it. I, and I want to see you do it because you do, you are someone who does it just. He's not like, oh, well, that happened, but it's Eros' fault. It's still Zephyr's fault. Like, whatever, whatever. He's like, no, I blame them because I felt terrible for my own guilt and I couldn't carry it.
1: Yeah, and he didn't have to. I think Mm -hmm. that's, like, another interesting thing of, like, like, when you, like, the whole premise of this being that he's mortal. Like, so much of the chapters focused on, like, so much of his thoughts focused on how, like, injured he was after this Mm -hmm. and, like, how that felt. And, like, I was like, we're really focusing a lot of time on, like, how much his head hurt. But now I realize like, I was like realizing while I was reading it, I was like, Oh, cause his head has never hurt. You know, like this is not something that he's like ever like really experienced. Like even the last time that he was turned mortal, like he was never like, you know, pummeled in a battle before. <laughs> so it's yeah, he like, had his strength. He was never weak. Yeah, exactly. So like that also like when you've never had to stop and even like care for yourself, there's no way that you're going to stop and like internalize what you've done to other people. So, mm-hmm. like, that, this all happening, like, while he's regularly just been able to, like, keep it pushing and keep going through, like, millennia of time and not ever have to truly stop and think about anything, even, like, an injury or something. Like, now he's really having to, like, stop and consider everything he's ever
2: done, sort of. Which That's is, a really like, good a really point, yeah.
1: Like, unpacking of everything.
2: What it really makes me think of is rick is
0: doing two things it is indicting this type of man but also showing capacity for growth Mm -hmm. and that is a really tricky balancing act and most other times i've seen this kind of redemption arc done it leans too far in one way where it's like yeah, and this guy is terrible. You like him, right? It's
4: mm-hmm. like, no,
0: he's <laughs> terrible. You're not giving me anything. Or like, oh, isn't it? Isn't it so bad? Like, isn't he so tortured? Isn't it okay he did all this? It's really hard mm-hmm. to nail that line in between.
2: And it really makes me think of the term woke in a way of... Woke was a term
0: coined by Erica Badu. Um, It has grown to mean a lot of different things. But the root of it is about
2: staying alert and aware of the world around you. And this narrative feels like Apollo is not straight, but his archetype is very straight white man. Mm Mm-hmm. And that fall from grace of, like,
0: being alerted to the world around you is like, oh, wait, I've been contributing to the status quo this whole time. My mere existence and my acts have been oppressing the people around me.
2: And he's finally realizing that. And it's not perfect at all Mm -hmm. but
0: that alertness and that new attention is really compelling because we talk about like doing the work to be an ally to involve yourself in communities outside yourself and obviously the god versus demigod analog isn't like super metaphorical to anything it shouldn't be and it's because it doesn't work as that the best the closest thing we have is like class difference um it's very undercover boss i guess Um,
1: (laughs) this whole series literally
0: but Mm -hmm. that that rounding of apollo into being human and him starting to realize the way systems of oppression are working around him especially when the villains of this are these like three ancient white men who Mm -hmm. have been controlling the strings in the background the whole time, which is real unsubtle. (laughs) Um,
3: Yeah. Rick's not subtle in this series. Like it is very aggressively like, you know what I'm talking about, right? Like you get it. Cool. All right. Keep on board.
4: Yeah. (laughs)
2: Literally. Can I talk about Will and Nico for a second? Yeah. Always. Always. Yeah. Always I after mean, Will
3: I mean, I'm just still hot off the heels of The Sun and the Star, so forgive me. But love seeing Will and Nico in this book. Start of the relationship, see what's going to go. So charming. But also, I, I thought it was well-written and and really enforces the idea of relationship for... Will and Nico both to be there when Apollo woke up after Apollo was like going through the woods and having visions of Daphne and like having that regret of like, this was like his first, like as he tells it, it was like, this first true love, he loved her so much and he messed up and he lost her and hurt her. And then Hyacinth who he loved just as much and it was so precious to him. And because he was too selfish to even share a second of his time with, with Zephyr, he lost Hyacinth and hurt him again. And so when he wakes up and here is his son Will and Will's boyfriend Nico, and he's literally like, the the book itself like reflects on how they are there and they are supporting each other and like Nico is there for Will in that moment. Because Nico's like Apollo, whatever. Like he has Nico has all the reasons in the world not to be there. But Will is there, so Nico will be there, and Apollo seeing the stability and simple beauty of a romantic relationship. And that's things that it, through the rest of like these chapters, he really reflects that he's not going to get. And he's never had that. And he starts thinking, I'm not worthy of that. But seeing the the bond between them and how they are there to support each other, I think that like tells a lot in the nature of relationship and really cements Apollo's need. He's like, I have to go save Meg. Because right now, this is the most important relationship I have. And I need
2: to go save my friend. Yeah, I think that reminder of being human
0: is about your relationships. Mm -hmm. It's like, really feels like the thesis of these chapters between Apollo reflecting on his relationships, Nico and Will, and then moving into Apollo and Meg. Meg is the first relationship as a mortal Mm -hmm. that Apollo is entering into. And, it's weird because they are kind of forced to be together because of God stuff and Mm -hmm. whatever. Um, And that duty that they have to each other, it feels very familial in a way of like, it's my like little sister and I have to be there for her. I don't particularly like her, but, and then sometimes they do. So I, Mm -hmm. I really... Thought that that dynamic was really interesting to tackle, and I think centering Apollo's
2: humanity around this relationship is really what makes this book work.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we also get a touch on for like the the godly familial relationships. And how those don't exist essentially in, in any like meaningful loving supportive way that that most human beings get to enjoy because like Rhea is Apollo's grandmother, he's never talked to her before. We can assume like and it's cool that she's there and she's like, hey, okay, you got to do the thing with the growth. You're gonna need that. I, it regrew. That's awesome. Here are my uh, wind chimes. You're gonna need those. All right, bye. And it's like this grandmother. Also, just, like, there's an attack. Also, there's an attack coming. (laughs) That's all I can do for you. It's like, okay, grandma. Thank you. And we get like, and that's not how my grandmother would ever let that situation roll. But it's (laughs) like my my grandma recently, uh, when she found out my cat was dying, the first thing out of her mouth was, I will, do you need me to come over right now? Are you having to say goodbye? I will be there for you. Like my Nana is there in those hard times. And the way that the gods and Rey as a Titan aren't and they can't be and they never meant to be that way. So that idea of like the Olympian family, this godly family tree doesn't exist in the way human beings get it. So Apollo doesn't even have that. And we also mentioned Zeus and how he's got this like tough love discipline. And that's another thing that these that books will get into. And Apollo like calling out Zeus and being like, if you're gonna like punish someone, punish me, not her. Like, be a man, which, okay, Apollo, sure. But that idea of, like, that's not a father figure who's there and supportive when his kid needs something or is, like, disciplining in a way that is proportional to what had happened. It's just punishment.
0: Yeah, he's just, like, your boss.
3: Yeah, he's just, yeah, exactly, just the boss. And so, like, for Apollo in the books, it's only ever mentioned that, like, Artemis, his, like, twin sister, is really the only close to, like, familial care. person or relationship that any of these gods seem to have with any other character sibling wise. So I think it was an intentional choice that it is Meg's as this little sister type character who sometimes doubles as a big sister because she literally gets to boss Apollo around. That is why that's why like she was the character that Apollo was paired with. That's that kind of relationship Apollo already inherently has in a way that no other relationship exists for him so it is more organic for him to adopt with mix
2: yeah it it's very not to dive into succession i'll just <laughs> on it but it feels in
0: the metaphor of these books very reminiscent of the way that like business families work in mm, mm-hmm. that like Succession is obviously about a family-run business and which of the kids is going to take over the father's media empire. But their relationships are both emotional and, like, business transactions. And we don't even feel like the gods have any emotional stuff in it. Mm-hmm. And therefore, like, it's so interesting to watch these relationships. At first, you're like, they don't happen. But then you, you do think about real-world Examples of, like, not everyone has a good relationship with their family. Some people have very transactional relationships with their family. And so to put that lens on the gods of, like, they're all family. They all know that they're all family. But they don't really act like it. And what does that do to their, like, mental health and their perception of the world is really what we're diving into with Apollo. He really only has had that one stable relationship throughout his life with, with Mm -hmm. Artemis. And that's about it because everyone else he's like ever loved has disappeared, including his like romantic people. And then uh, he mentions his mother who, who is not human, I believe, but yeah, she was a Titan, but is, seems to be no longer around.
3: Yeah, she's not very present. I don't think she's, like, faded like other Titans have, but, yeah, it's not, like... It's, like, in the last book, it's not like he and Artemis could have run to their mom and be like, hey, Mom, we're going to stay at your house for a
2: little while while things are breaking bad. Like, they were still on their own with just the two of them. Yeah. Should we move on to Sass Moments, our, our favorite funny moments of these chapters?
1: Ooh. Yes. I have mine. I have the screenshot of mine open, which is funny. Moments looking. in pretty
0: dramatic chapters, to be frank, but
1: yeah, it. yeah, it was. There was there was some hee hee moments though. Um, mine is look. You need medical attention. I told Paulie we should have a first aid station for visitors. He fished around in his non-existent pockets. Let me just mark the location of the Apollo cabin. If you pull out a brochure, I warned, I will make you eat it. <laughs> what a funny threat for a geyser like what (laughs) like i don't know why like threat it was already funny to threaten like i will make you eat paper but like a a geyser spirit like why (laughs) like i think they're like how would you make that geyser eat the paper i don't know it was just a ridiculous comment
2: yeah no Mm -hmm. real
1: that's some just casual
3: rick ryan sort of humor and i do love to see It it really is
0: my quote was, is we kind of mentioned it before is the so Jimi Hendrix wasn't there? Doubtful. Ray filled with her peace symbol. Then who set that guitar on fire? Uh, never mind. <laughs> I like it because the way I read this is there was a guitar that was on fire. It just wasn't Jimi Hendrix. Like this just happened a different time for her. <laughs> She's it's like. Been in
2: multiple situations.
0: At the very least, listening to the audiobook, that is the inflection that mm-hmm. he was given in that re- that reading, too. So that is really how I took it. Mm-hmm. And I would like to internalize it as that.
3: I love the idea of a guitar on fire at the Seneca Falls convention. Like, yes, absolutely. Something had to get set on fire.
2: <laughs> yeah. Exactly.
3: Uh, mine is absolutely when uh, Apollo starts to sing to the, the Queen Ant. Oh, yes. I- I gave Meg a look that clearly meant, help me out. She shook her head. Give the girl two swords and she was a maniac. Ask her to lay down a simple beat and she suddenly got stage right. Fine, I thought, I'll do it myself. I launched into dance by Nas, which I have to say was the, one of the most moving odes to mothers that I had ever inspired the artist to write.
2: <laughs> it was a fantastic string.
3: hmm Yeah. And then just the following sequence of Apollo singing to the ant is is very good in a different way that the previous singing to the giant ants. What are they? They're not ants. I mean, they are ants. They
0: are ants, the the mermicas.
3: Mermicas. Thank you. oh uh, rated-
0: crazy name. Wild. <laughs> funny.
3: Wild. It's yeah. It's I think it's something that Pliny the Elder was like. Yeah, these are definitely a thing in in India. I totally saw them. Like that yeah. sounds like it's
0: from. It's it's a real. It's really given a. Marco Polo orientalist, <laughs> uh, yeah. Exaggeration,
3: like the Ethiopian unicorn. Another Pliny the Elder recording.
0: Yeah. All right, what uh, characters would it be like to give offerings for? Mine's probably obvious. I'm standing Raya. Like, she's a queen, and she is the queen the titan queen mm-hmm,
3: mm-hmm. and
0: she deserves unbothered her queen. respect
3: unbothered queen <laughs>
0: <laughs> frankly she should have let Z- chronos eat zeus because then zeus would be gone but like <laughs> i understand like she saved like, her it
1: was yeah it was a rough it was a rough call
2: probably no way to know <laughs> that a baby would grow up and be terrible
1: exactly
4: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um
2: I think I'll give mine to Daphne. Ooh. We've given
1: them to people who are just like mentioned, but like never well, really. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> We've given them to people that are adjacently related to yeah. the episode.
2: Like-
1: <laughs> it's normally used in the other part though. It'll normally be like, someone said Jason's name. So oh, yeah. <laughs> vote off.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I want to give mine to Will. Um, and that's just because he's one of my favorite characters in these books and he was here for about six seconds, so he gets it.
2: No, I work. respect that. That's
0: pretty much what he's I did with, with, with Nico throughout the the hit, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the heroes of Olympus.
3: And Nico was here, here, and he needs it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Real. Mm-hmm. That's rough, buddy.
3: Uh, oh no. Uh real quick. I said Ethiopian unicorn earlier. I'm an Ethiopian Pegasus. That's my bad. I apologize.
0: No problem. We understand. We won't hold it against you.
3: I think I appreciate it. Please.
0: And then who would we like to vote off?
3: Zeus. Zeus got mentioned. Zeus is out. Yeah. Period.
0: Real. Like, I feel like in a way, Apollo needs to be held accountable. But also he did well. Like, I think he just kind of evens out. Therefore, I am going with the Mermicas because I (laughs) really, really, they get under my skin. I I hate insects and giant insects even worse um mama (laughs) what we're gonna call her Mm -hmm. was I respect that they grew a relationship whatever most terrifying description of any Mm -hmm. creature Rick Riordan has ever wrote the translucent shit was I I hate it I hate it I hate it I hate it
3: I was reading that section and I was remembering how in the previous episode, uh, Brandon, you were like, I do not like these ants. And I'm like, oh, Brenda's not going to like this. Yeah. <laughs> yep. The ants I'm- are still very
1: much here. And we're getting so description of the ants.
3: Eureka. Yeah.
1: Um, <laughs> this is maniacal. But I'm going to pre, I'm going to give mine to Chiron because he is not going to handle this attack well at all. And I'm just like (laughs) already mad about it because what is going on? I literally, he has always been like a a controversial figure on this podcast of like, maybe someone should be looking after these kids better. But this Mm -hmm. book, he's really just been like they're disappearing. And <laughs> I don't know why, but let's go in the labyrinth. Like, he literally makes me so angry, this book. And I just, mm-hmm. like, as soon as the part that was, like, and there's also going to be attack on camp, I was like, oh, my God. Oh, no. The handle was so poorly. So prove me wrong, but I'm given one. <laughs> yeah. Where is Hestia?
3: Why is she not running this camp? This She's is exactly run. should be in her domain. Rick, why did you make this decision? I disagree with it every day.
0: Yeah, it is, like. I completely agree with that currently i'm even like mr d might even have done they like, do it better than you right now like yeah. he would at least notice people were gone i think
1: yeah yeah he'd be he like an asshole about it but yeah like probably he handled it better
0: dionysus was always just like begrudging but not terrible at his job yeah because the bar was hit for him was lower frankly but if you're like, Mr. D is an asshole, and then he does one good thing, that's great. But if you're like, <laughs> Chiron is, is incredible, can't do anything wrong, but is really constantly failing, mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a worse uh, sin to
3: me. <laughs> it's rough. It's, yeah, yeah. I hate to see it, but we see it all the time.
0: <laughs> yeah, like, we we I won't retread this. We did a whole episode on how Chiron is is an example of the failings of institutions and yes. kids um, go listen yeah. to that episode because I got, I got a lot of personal <laughs> feelings about uh, <laughs> society and institutional learning um, <laughs> yeah. in that episode.
3: Yeah, no, I agree. Cause I actually have someone who's like, no, I actually like Chiron and I think he's doing his best. His best isn't necessarily good enough, but I would argue it's because he has not been set up to succeed because the gods don't actually care about what happened at Camp Half-Blood.
0: Yep, exactly. Yeah, no, Chiron is is this example of, of the middle management institution who can't really do anything, even if they want to, which is both their fault and not their fault at the same time.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: All right. And with that... That is all for this week. Join us next week where we'll be discussing The Hidden Oracle chapters 29 through 32.
1: Make sure to follow us on social media. We are at Return to Camp on every platform that matters. And we also have a coffee account and a Redbubble store and a website, www.returntocamp.com. Darian, would you like to plug anything before you go?
3: I would love to. Thank you so much. Uh, You can find more of me and previous guests of the show, my co-host and brother, DJ. Over on and Mythology, we examine how ancient myths have remained part of our modern pop culture through the lens of Rick Riordan, Percy Jackson, and the Olympians. And if you want a little bit more of the English class you always wish you could have, over on my new podcast, Aragon and Back Again, my co-host, and I, my co-host Lucia Hart and I are going through Christopher Paolini's inher- Inheritance Cycle chapter by chapter, spoiler-free, examining it through the lens of professional writers like we are. So really breaking down writing structure and what works, what does it, and what are lessons we can take away from that. Also me dunking on high fantasy because I actually don't like it.
0: Incredible.
1: <laughs> That's everything.
0: We'll check it out. I never <laughs> finished those books and therefore Albert. I actually think I would love it.
3: <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Enjoy. Yes, please.
0: All right. Thank you again.
3: Thank you for having me. This was a pleasure. Of course.
0: And goodbye to our listeners. See you next week.
1: See you next week.
3: Where Ava will back. be back
0: from Ireland. Brown. Probably.
1: Yay! No I'm kidding.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Love you, Ava.